Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. A star attraction. The one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. This is so exciting. From my kitchen in Provincetown, I get to interview the one, the only, Laura Prepon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Laura, first of all, Jersey. That's all I have to say. All, just that's just Jersey. Jersey. Fast, just Jersey. That's Jersey, it. Jersey. Here's the thing about being from Jersey, right? I yeah. grew up in Clark. Oh my, are you joking? No. Okay, before my family moved to where we live now, our house before that was in Clark. No, it wasn't. It was in, oh my, I'm texting my sister right now. No, right? you're lying. I swear to God. I swear to God. Right when I was born, we moved from Clark, and I'm texting my sister no right now. No fucking way. Yeah. I Wait, was being say, tortured in high school, that means. Wait, what street did we live on in Clark? I'm You're full of shit. I'm not kidding. And my father <coughs> also worked in Clark. My father was a doctor, a surgeon. Yes, an orthopedic surgeon. Yeah, he passed away now, but he had a, um, a practice in Edison. <laughs> <laughs> yes, on in Edison, and we would go. Do you? Okay, so there was. A oh, you know. Do you know this is the Jew Bell? So anything Jewish gets a ring. Okay, and we know your father was Jewish. Oh. Yes, he was. <clears throat> and um, the next thing out, we used to always go to this place called Larry's Deli. Uh huh. And get like pastrami on rye yes. and big pickles. And I don't, I don't know if that was just a big deal in our family or if other people knew about it, but. It wasn't, I don't, it's not even around anymore. I'm trying to find out the street we lived on in Clark. Oh my God. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. I can't. Yeah, I'm waiting. It. I'm waiting to hear back from my sister. O-M-G. <laughs> but you grew up in Watching. Watchung. Watchung. Yeah, exactly. But it's, you know, my, my Jersey accent went away. Like I used to be, I wasn't Laura. I was Lova. <laughs> no, like that's how. And when I'm hanging out with my sisters, right? One of my sisters in particular, if she gets you know a little tipsy, all of a sudden I'm Laura. Laura, what are you doing? Like all of a sudden it's that again, and I'm like, Wait, is it? Can't you always tell someone grew up in Jersey? Like, can I mean, like I'll meet someone, I'm like, oh Jersey. There's, it's like we have an Ed, and it's not Long Island. No, like I hate when people Island. say Jersey and Long because we're different, right? You know. Long Island is like Jersey light, <laughs> you know, and yes. Jersey trying to be New York. We are our own people. I can't believe you lived in Clark. Yes. I'm not, I'm waiting to hear. I hope my sister has two kids, so she's probably up with them right now, but busy. But uh, I texted her. I'm waiting to hear back. That. Fuck. And I'm going to ask my sister. Actually, I'm going to ask my other sister now, too, which is while we're chatting. My father dropped dead in Edison. <laughs> Great, and not the Jubel. I know. <laughs> because he, he was, the Clark pool was in Edison. Oh, and my he, gosh. Yeah, he was, he died swimming, but whatever. Dead. Oh, my God. Dead. <laughs> Everyone's that dead. Was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm finding out because now I have to, now. Oh, I my God, I need to, to know 
Did you go to Friendly's? Of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course we did. Oh, and um, Carvel. It's still there. I don't even know. It's, it's probably not. It's just so many things that are just not. I know. Carvel we went to. And then. When we would have birthdays, because we we really didn't celebrate birthdays in my house. We were very weird. We had a very eccentric upbringing. But right. we we didn't really celebrate birthdays. Like, I would go to school as a kid, and people would tell me happy birthday. And I would think, oh, right, it's it's my birthday. Um, That's- oh, but, no, but the point is, is the one thing we would do if a birthday was remembered what and this is not like a woe is me. I'm used to it. Like I, I right. it's just always how it was. So we didn't know. Right. So it really was not a big deal to us. What's funny is now, at, you know, as I got older, birthdays meant so much to my friends, and I would forget them and whatever. Right. Right. Like, how did you not remember my birthday? Like you don't understand how we grew up. But we would always do a Carvel cake with the chocolate crunchies in the middle. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, wait. I have the street in close. Yes, go. Wheat Shift Road. Wheat chef? Wheat, wheat, it's wheats and then um, S-H-E-A-F, wheat chafe road. Uh, I gotta look it up. I have no idea what that is. Wheat chafe. Like, yeah, like W-H-E-A-T and then every Every road. street in there is so weird. Uh, it, the other thing too is, the other thing too is in Jersey, there's so many towns that like, there's so many towns and neighborhoods that I find when people tell me what, town they're from I'm like oh i know that town and they mentioned the street and i'm like i have no idea what you're talking right, about i know there's so town. many streets too there's so many it's like there's one main street and then like all these crappy little streets <laughs> I, I can't fucking believe it we chafe road i'm gonna look it up and i'm gonna be like then all the memories are gonna flood back and be yeah like, so that's where we lived when i was a baby and then we moved you know whatever but anyway, yes. all right so you laura helene that is so Jewy. Yeah, but here's here's the other thing that's crazy is growing up again because my mom was like the way she out was, of her mind. Yeah, my whole life I grew up thinking my middle name was Hayden, and then I needed no trust, and then I needed to know my <laughs> my middle name for something, and I looked at my birth certificate and I went to my mom I'm like, "Mommy, my middle name is Helene, not Hayden," and she's like, "Oh." I am not joking. Is... also told us, because we're half Russian Jewish, half Irish Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> and she also told us that our Irish coat of arms was a bloody hand. And that when we were coming over to get our land, everyone, you know, was, you know, back in olden days, everyone was trying to get to land. And the first person that touched land claimed the land. So she had this whole story that our ancestors cut off one of their hands and threw it. So it would be the first to touch land, and we claim that land. Total bullshit. Not true. That's a good story, though. Don't know where she got that from. But I love that. She claimed it is ours, and I'm like, okay, cool. So what else do I need to know? Oh, my God. So you're the youngest of five kids. Yes, yes. And it was like wild kingdom. How old? How old is the oldest? Like, what? What is the age difference? We're all ten years apart. So I'm, or sorry, we're all two years apart. The eldest one is ten years older than me. Wow. So I'm the youngest, and then we're all in two year increments. All right. So you went to public school in Wachong. Yeah, I went Wachong Hill. I started working as a professional when I was in Wachong Hills. 
Wow. Yeah. It's, did we ever, I don't, I wonder if Botching Hills played Clark in like. I know. I was thinking that maybe we did play you guys. Arthur maybe. L. Johnson Regional High School. Yeah, exactly. But oh. yeah, I got out of there quickly. I was I love being from Jersey, but I started. Yeah, you got to leave. You got to leave. There's exactly. time to go. There is a time uh, to go. Exactly. A time to reap, a time to sell. All right. <laughs> So your mother was a teacher and a gourmet chef and your yes. father was an orthopedic surgeon. Yes. And in the beginning, before your father passed away, were things semi-normal in your house? Because all I read about and hear about your childhood, it, it's amazing. <laughs> it is, it's like, did, did you have like a lot of friends who were like, we're going over to Laura's house because her mother is so cool. Yeah, it, it vacillated because when I was younger, my parents' friends didn't want them at our house because they knew that we had no rules. Yeah. And my mom, you know, just let us have freedom. Like we were never told to do our homework. We were never really, we were never taught right and wrong. We were never taught any of that stuff. The only thing that I was ever taught was how to cook, how to cook and then etiquette. Those were two things that she would teach me. Right you know, which fork to use with the salad and yes, like, yes, that, yes. Like, that kind of like etiquette stuff. She taught me and then she taught me how to cook. Other than that, we were, we were on our own. Wait, when you see someone with bad table manners, uh, this is one of the things I cannot, like when someone's holding their fork, like, you know, like this, can't do it, Judy, can't I, do I, it. I want, I want to go over to the table and like, are you a caveman? Like, seriously. I, know, but I don't know if we're even allowed, like, it's real. Okay. So this is something I'm dealing with right now. So my toddler is now she's, you know, holding force and eating and, and learning all that stuff. And, um, I was taught etiquette. So right. I'm trying to make sure that she has all of her independence, of course, but right. that she also has this kind of etiquette. And I right. have friends of mine who are not teaching their kids that. And they're like, I don't want to have to put something that my daughter needs to conform to. Or, but, oh, yet, but, yet, but yet when we all hang <laughs> out, my daughter is really well behaved and she sits at the table while the other kids like jumping all over the place. Right. And, and she's eating yeah. politely, you know, cause that's how we do it in our house. And then she's like, Oh, why can't she be more like Ella? Right. And, but then, but then, but then you just criticize me. She criticizes me. Yeah. Like, it's, like an it's a very, it's an interesting thing to negotiate right now, but that's how I was taught. We turned out pretty well considering. So I'm going to teach my daughter, you know, how to cook. I'm going to teach her the etiquette. I'm going to teach her all, but then she Good. can use to use it if she wants. You know? I know. I, cause my mother used to, are you going to eat like that when you're sitting with the queen of England? Is that how you're going to hold your fork? Uh, that's wait. amazing so before your father died right yeah it was yeah was it like normal daddy's home from work like what was any was it normal like because I mean your father died when you were 13 I mean that's so young well yeah it, I was really young I mean honestly it, it basically was like this my father was was a very successful orthopedic surgeon. He worked his ass off every right. day. That's just, you know, that's what was ingrained in him. He was a workaholic. He loved his job. 
I also think that he was very, even though he had five children, he was very, he didn't like being around kids. You know what I mean? So he was very kind of this highly intellectual, gruff kind of man. Right. And he would, he would go to work in the morning to the hospital before I went to school. And then he would come home at 10 o'clock at night. Wow. After we were all kind of just hanging out. We didn't have bedtimes. We'd all still be awake. (laughs) <laughs> but he would, he would come home. Yeah. We would all, all five of us would line up at the front door, like the Von Trapp children. Oh like, my God. We, would all, we yeah. would all line up by the front door, give him a kiss on the cheek. And he would go into the bedroom and eat dinner by himself. My mother would bring him dinner in the bedroom. And we would just, you know, there were times if my, my eldest sister, you know, Stephanie, if she had to go talk to him, we'd all be outside the door like, oh my God, Stephanie's going to No way. And it was like this thing. You know, I made him laugh one time when I was a kid. I told a joke and he laughed. And I remember feeling so awesome because he's got such a dry sense of humor and I made him laugh and he kind of looked at me like, good job, kid. Wow. That was like our exchange my entire life. That was like- That is so interesting. But he was, but he had amazing work ethic. And it's something that I saw as a child. I just think for him, providing for the family was more important than being with the family. Right. And then while, while he was, and that's just what we knew. I didn't know any different. And then my mother had a very different kind of schedule where- she would sleep during the day and we would get ourselves to school. If we missed school, if we missed the bus, she was not taking us to school. It was no way. Yeah. It was like, good luck, but not in like a way where we felt like boo hoo. It's just what we knew how to do. So I I would have to go like ask one of my older sisters to take me to work. And then she charged me 20 bucks, you know, the (laughs) usual sibling type of thing. Right. But my mom would sleep during the day. She would wake up around three or four o'clock and get ready in her whole, she was always in full hair and makeup. Oh. Straight off of Dynasty. Like the fur and the jewels and the full hair. And she slept with her face on, full face of makeup. Oh my God. Like a dead person like this. Right. With her face on. And it was that generation. It was her generation. Like, and she grew up really, really poor. She grew up with nothing. Right. So by the time she got with my father, I feel like she wanted people to know that she had money, you know? Right. And then she would go into the city, she would go into New York, she would go to a really nice restaurant and taste the food and come home and perfect the recipes till about four or five o'clock in the morning. No way! So I would go into the kitchen at like two o'clock in the morning as a 10-year-old and she'd be there with some crazy gourmet thing she was doing, like Peking duck or home, like maybe no way you're doing all this crazy stuff till four o'clock in the morning. And that's how I learned was just watching her do these, these crazy kinds that of is things. So it was, yeah. And then she would so make dinner for us. Right. We would, we would all go to sleep for school, wake up, come back in the kitchen and eat dinner around midnight. No and, way. Yeah. And then we would go to sleep and then she would then move to her project, which was the Peking duck or whatever that was. <laughs> And then she would sleep during the day. That was like, she I, never I heard you say kind of PTA meeting or anything. Right. Like, Will you please go to a parent teacher conference? Right. Please. They think that there's something wrong at home. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah. did but you get you know, good grades? Yeah, totally. 
You know, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I did great in this freedom. I, I did very well. Like I, my mother's independence and stubbornness was really inspiring to me. And I, I, I was just always on the move and like right. at a young age, I was, I knew that I needed to hustle. Right. And yet a couple of my other siblings really needed a push. Right. So we all were raised in the same upbringing, but some of us needed more of a push than, than I did. So I'm not saying it was great for all of us. Right. Of course. Cause everyone's different. Me, but- it, it worked. Are they all successful? Well. The, the, your sisters or, I mean, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I mean, we're all, we all figured out what we want to do. We're all very different. I'm the only one in my kind of racket that I'm right. doing, um, which I love my job. I'm so thankful for it again. It wouldn't be here without my mom, right. like teaching us to not conform to the status right, right. quo. But it was, yeah, it was kind of, it was an exceptional upbringing. And when I was young, my friends weren't allowed to come over because they were worried about us not having any rules. As right. I got older, into like my early teens, everybody wanted to be at my right, house because there were no rules, you know what I mean? Hey everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto. I just did Chef's Choice. 60 or more add ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So were you popular in school and everything? 
You know, it was weird. Like I, I never really fit in anywhere. I really didn't. I never really fit in. Because it's um, so clicky. People don't realize New Jersey is oh my like, gosh. It's, it's so like click, click, click. It's like when people ask me how I grew up, I tell them to watch Welcome to the Dollhouse. For the, sure. Right. For sure. That is such a great reference. Right. Here's the other thing. When even with these clicks, what's weird is what as a kid, when you feel like you're like, oh, I'm in a click, then the next day you get shot out of the click. Right, now. right, right. So that's the other thing is like, and then the next week, there's no security. It's like this weird, it's like this weird thing. So I always felt, um, I don't know. I never really felt like I truly like belonged in any particular group at my, at my school. Um, I, you know, what's weird though. I always knew that I needed to be doing something else. Like, right which is why I left at such a young age. I, I know it's like, like, I don't belong here. I need to be doing something else. Right. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was something. And as soon as I got the opportunity, I was out. You know, do you think because your father was so not aloof, but you know, just not connected yeah. that his death was easier for you or harder for you? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it still hit us really, really hard. But the weird thing is I never saw my mom. My mom was very strong, like very um, composed all the time. Uh And I never really saw her cry about it. So as a youngster, I would watch this and think that I can't show anybody that I'm upset. Because I really, I would observe so many things my mom, as we do, as young girls, we watch our mothers and learn from them. And my father passed away. He got some really weird, he was a hardcore chimney smoker and they, he had got some weird heart condition that they didn't exactly know what it was. They thought maybe the smoking obviously attributed to it. Right. But it was this thing where layers of fat, we were told like layers of fat attack his heart and that it was, his heart was getting enlarged and it was making it hard for it to beat. Right. He went into surgery and they've started peeling away layers of this quote unquote fat when yeah. that's actually not what he had. That wasn't what he had. And he ended up dying in surgery. He was already really sick. So right. he wouldn't have survived much longer. And they thought that's what this was. Um, but his heart was extremely compromised. Right. But we definitely didn't expect him to die in that surgery. At oh. So it was a total shock for us. I mean, anytime you lose a parent, I mean, it is. Oh, it's the worst. It's like a before and after of your life. Right. Right. It's, it's really devastating. And I was old enough to really understand those effects, but I would watch how my mother dealt with it and try to emulate that until finally one day I literally just lost it and broke down because I couldn't like hold it in any longer. Right. But yeah, it took a while to process, even though we weren't close um, he was still such a presence. Oh yeah, of course. You know, such a presence in our lives. And you never wanted to, I mean, if, if daddy got upset, you're like, uh-uh. run. <laughs> yeah. you're like run. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting to have that force. And my mother could, is the one who could get through to him, you know? Do you think, did your mother change a lot when he passed away? She changed because she had to, because, you know, now that my father wasn't around anymore, my mother was now had to take on all these new responsibilities Right. that she didn't, you know, with 
having to do different kind of financial things in the house of having to balance right, right. books and then write checks and all that stuff. Now she had to do. So it was just kind of, she had to really have a steep learning curve on how to support the family in all those different kind of ways, you know, like, right. She had to take over all the stuff. That so, he so that was, you know, he, he made it so that she didn't have to go back to work. But, wow. um, but she now had to balance all of the other kind of right. daily and bills and stuff like that. Did your, were, were any of your sisters, like, did they fill in the maternal gaps for you? They, and not so much the maternal gaps because I was gone at such a young age, but yeah. um, they, they helped my mother a lot in terms of balancing all this new stuff. Right. For sure. And, and yes, and now my mom lives with one of them and her husband and her two kids. So they're able to all be together, which is great. So my mom's yeah. So So, I ended up moving out to LA, you know, at a young age. Right. So you're 15, right. And like, okay. So I, when I hear the story, like uh, that I'm thinking of myself at 15 and my kids when they were 15, like I was, there's no fucking way like there's no way I could like buy like I can't even it's fascinating you're 15 yeah you're like I want to go to Paris or yeah yeah Milan yeah I was gonna go to oh Italy. not Milan I'm sorry <laughs> I did went, go to Paris too I did go to you Paris. went afterwards to Paris yeah. and London and your mother's like okay like no I know. Now that I'm a mother, are you kidding, Judy? I know. No way. No. Because also when you're 15, when you're 15, you feel like you know everything. Uh, Duh. Yeah. And you don't know anything. Right. So it's like, but that was also, again, one of those opportunities where I saw it and I took it and I ran with it. So I, my sister. Like the confidence, like the confidence and like, like (laughs) being on your own. Plus, they don't even speak English. Like, I can't fucking imagine. Like, did she drive you to the airport? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was literally like, so just briefly, my my sister, who's 10 years older than me. What's her her name? Stephanie. Oh, that's right. She's the eldest, I'm the youngest. So Stephanie. Can you you name them all really quickly? Yeah, so Stephanie's the eldest, then it's Jocelyn, then Danielle, then Brad, and then me. Okay. So, uh, so Steph was working at, um, a magazine in the city cause she worked in fashion. Right. And it, I was always tall, you know, Same. I was very like athletic and, you know, but I was never like a beanpole and right. she was like, why don't you think about modeling? modeling? Right. And it, I'm not kidding. It was like a foreign language to me. Like the fact that she said, modeling like nobody in my jersey neighborhood at least that wasn't even part of our right thing like going into acting or anything like that wasn't even it didn't even enter my mind right and she was like why don't you think about modeling and i was really not into the idea my mom loved the idea right and it kind of became this fun thing that my mom and i like did together so i was like all right fine i'll i'll the bonding yeah like a bonding thing so, and my mom was like, I'll drive you into the city. And I was like, okay, well, I'm sure. Why not? Hang out, Louise. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, exactly. Yeah. So we go into the city. I go into this 
this uh, open casting. They take my measurements and they're just like, great, you need to lose 25 pounds. And if you lose 25 pounds, we'll sign you. Oh God. So immediately I, you know, I never, until that point, I never directly had such attention on my body. Like I was very right active in, in like, I would play sports and I was, you know, people would call me a tomboy. Like I was right. very, you know, I wasn't into any, I never wore makeup or anything like that. Right. Even though my mother was like fully like, oh, right, you yeah. know, uh, Crystal Karen <laughs> dynasty. Like I was the total opposite. Right. And she would try to put me in a dress and do like a little photo shoot at home. And I would just be crying. Right. And just to spite me, like there's pictures of me crying in a little blue dress in our family photo album. No way. Just, I swear. And my husband found one and he had, he, he was like, I got to keep this just for posterity. That's hilarious. Now it's funny. It's funny. Right. It's like, whatever. And my sisters, we all laugh about it. But, um, but I, I came out, I lost 25 pounds. My mom helped me do it. She would cook me all my food and all this stuff. And I lost 25 pounds, went back and they're like, great. So at that time, it was really hard. You, you build a portfolio as a model. You have to build a portfolio and you call it your book and you have to build your book. It's really hard to break in in New York. So a lot of times what they do with brand new models is they send you to Europe because it's a lot easier to work in Europe. So they signed me and I was like, I came out and I told my mom, I'm like, they want me to go to Milan. And she said, okay. I just like, I can't even like. So I was, so I'm 15. I packed my bags. I, she dropped me off at the airport. Okay. Wait, I got, I can't, I need details. So like, did she help you pack? No, no. I just packed. You're in your room and you're like. 15 and you're go I'm going to Milan by myself. I'm packing my suitcase. Yes. But what I didn't know, but what I didn't know because I was so naive, all I knew was when I get to Milan, I have a number to call. That's what, Oh my God, it's a movie. But because I'm like 15 and you know, I I don't know anything about this stuff. I thought I had to like wear a nice outfit and look like, like look like a model, whatever my, my vision of what I'm right, right. Like Jersey. So my mom wait, to the airport. Wait. All right. So you went to Newark airport. JFK. Oh, nice. JFK. And then I, okay. but this is what was crazy. I landed in, um, I got to Milan. Wait, I, can I go back a little? Sure. Get on the plane. Yes. And I just sat down. I was like, okay, great. We're like, Wait, cool. so there's no like, oh my God, oh my God. You, were you ever scared? Like, what am and I going to There were definitely times where I was scared because when I, when you, when I went there, um, they immediately put you in an apartment with a bunch of other models. And, oh. And, and I'll circle back to what I was saying earlier. But, okay. But just, just quickly, when I went there, I was put into an apartment with a bunch of other models and I, and because this wasn't my thing, it really, really wasn't. Right. I could not, I was so uncomfortable with the other girls. They were stealing stuff, like <gasps> stealing jewelry that I brought with me and stuff like that. Cause in Milan as a model, when you make money, this was back in 1995, it's right. gotta be different now. Right. It's take a 50% commission. 50? 50. In Paris, it's 60. That's fucking ridiculous. I know. So, and as a girl, a young girl <laughs> trying to make a living over there, it's like very, very hard. So 
things would get taken. Like everyone was kind of like looking out for themselves. This right. is not a blanket statement on models whatsoever. This was my right. situation that was at the time. Right. And I really felt, I felt very uncomfortable. I didn't vibe with the other girls. I just was, I called my mom and I begged her to help me get my own apartment. So my mother helped me get my own apartment. From New Jersey. Yes. So I ended up getting my own apartment and I had no money there. So she helped me get it. And then I was like, I'll pay you back. And I did, thank goodness. I was able to like make a living as an actor ultimately. And then, you know, all that. But um, I got my own apartment. The thing that was, was scary was that I lived in an apartment that had so many cockroaches that I would call my mother and I lived there by myself. Right. I would call my mother in New Jersey Uh and I would be hysterically crying. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to sleep. There's cockroaches everywhere. And she said, sleep with the lights on. They don't like the light. (laughs) (laughs) And so I would call her and, and I would literally call her as I was like walking to the bathroom and the lights were off in the bathroom. And she's like, Laura, look away, turn the light on. So you don't see them scatter. That's what she would tell me over the phone. Fuck but, but I got to tell you, she, it, she really helped me get through that part. She ended up actually coming over for, I think they came over for like a week. She came over with one of my sisters to visit uh-huh. me. And then she helped me find a nicer place to live. And we looked at some apartments and then I got into a nicer place to live. And she helped me do that, which was great. But then they left and then I, you know, I- Right, and then you're back on your own. So you're- I was there for a year. I lived there for a year and then I lived in Paris and- um, Just, it's fascinating. Like, have you ever met anyone else who did that or was allowed to do that? No. I I mean, but look, there were other girls my age who were- I mean, I was usually the youngest. I was actually the youngest usually. Right. A lot of the other girls were like 18, 19 and older. I was usually the youngest and- um, they in in Italy, my nickname was Queen Dici, which means fifteen. Right. So they would so I would be called Queen Dici. So that was like um, my that was my nickname. But um, but what's crazy is like as example, when I lived in London, I found this place to live where every single room had a different theme, and I wow. stayed in the Hunter Lodge theme. That's the room that I could you know afford, and I stayed right. there, and you could pay for like an, an extended time. All the girls were really nice to me, who, older women who lived in the other rooms and would kind of come and go. Realized I was living in a place where, depending on what the man was feeling, they would bring them to that particular themed room. And I was living there as this young model trying to just like survive. Right. And I, and I happened to like the Hunter Lodge. But everyone was great. Nobody ever, like... That is... Fa- so... And I realized I was living in some version of, like, a brothel, basically. Right, right. Didn't even know it. Anyway, but you get- stuff like that. Stuff like that, I look back and I'm like, that's insane. I know, because you're a mother now, so it's all different. So, all right, so you get off the plane. Well, when I got off the plane originally, I was dressed in, like, this outfit that I thought I was supposed to... Like, you know, um, I was wearing like little heels and right. trying to like my hair and makeup were done. Right, right. You know? And I walked up the plane and as I was walking through security, these security guards who didn't speak any English took me into a back private room. That was scary. So I'm 15 years old. I land on Milan for the first time and they bring me into this back room and they were yelling at me and speaking at each other very loudly. Right. And at this point, I ultimately learned enough Italian to get by. 
Right. But this is like three steps off the plane. I had no clue what they were right. saying. And I didn't know what to do. All I knew was that I had a phone number. That's the only thing I knew. Right. So, and the, but what I later realized was I was there work. I didn't have a working visa. But were they, do you know what they were screaming about? They wanted me to get back on a plane and leave because they knew that I was coming to, mo- they could tell that I was oh. a model. And they knew that I was coming there to work and they were yelling, like, do I have work papers and all that stuff? I didn't know what they were saying. Right, right. All I knew was that I had a number. And then later I found out that they obviously knew I was a model. They knew I was American and they knew I was there to work. And so they were like trying to get documentation from me. And I didn't know what was because I was never told anything about that. So I had my number. I knew not to like say too much. So I, I just gave them the number. They called the number. And someone from the agency came and picked me up and spoke to them in Italian and they let me go. Oh, so my. then were you ever like, I want my mommy, like I yes, should have done this. Of course, of course. Okay. And, um, and that's when I would call her and my mom would talk me through it and just be like, you can do this. And she amazing. Just, and she would just be like, you're fu- like, you can do that. And she would give me the strength to do it as you know, mothers do. Right. And she was just like, you can do this. You're going to be fine. She helped me get my own place to live, um, which helped a lot. And then I, you know, and I lived by myself for you're months. Inc- it's incredible. So I would just like, I would put CNN on so I could just hear English. Right. So as living alone by myself at 15, it was night. I would hear, um, you know, English on the television. Right, right. Like, I help keep me and you'd feel and comforted. Yeah. Yeah. It would help with comfort. It would comfort me. And um, I honestly, I would do all my cooking for myself. I would batch cook just like oh the way my God. me. And I just, I knew, I learned Milan so well that I didn't even need a map. I fully became engrossed in the culture and I loved it. So I have two questions. A, yes. did you just go to school and say, I'm not coming back? Like, did you tell them? Like, how did that happen? We didn't say anything. My mother literally just took me out of school and was, and when she was, when she took me out, yeah. and, but when I was in the process of like losing the weight and stuff like that, um, there were a couple other times that I would miss school. I couldn't remember exactly right. why or when, but I do remember that the principal was was threatening to suspend me because I was missing so much school. And my mom was like, great, suspend her and put me in the car and, and took me away because she was just like, what my mother would say was, and this, she told me this when I was a youngster, she's like, you can always go back to school. She's like, you just have to read. She's like, right. wherever you are, she's like, you're gonna do this now. But she said, read and oh and that's another thing like even though right. like even when i was on that 70s show i knew i wanted to be a director because I, right. I directed that's a whole other story but when i started directing i knew i wanted to learn about directing so i i found someone to put me through night school wow at night so i would do 70s show during the day and i would go to film school at night wow and that's all circles back to my mom just telling me Read, read, read. You know, just read and learn as much as you can. Because wow. my mother was so articulate. She always right. read. She was, my mother was highly, highly intelligent. Wow. And so, so that's the thing. She, she, she saw that I was on, she saw big thing. Like for me, there was something she saw in me. That, not, and I'm yeah. not speaking for my siblings. I'm, that's a separate thing. But I'm right. saying in terms of my experience with my mother. 
she knew that I, I was, I never fit in and I didn't belong where I was. Right. And she was trying to do whatever she could to, to help get yeah. to where I need to be. So yes, while I was like, I would never let my 15 year old kid move to Europe right. at a young age. My mother just had a very different viewpoint. Right, right. You know what I mean? And, and, and when yeah. she was like, you can do school later, just make sure you read and you're always Amazing. learning. And, 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 and she was also so stubborn in the way that she learned that it was almost inspiring. Right. She, she was like, great, suspend her. And took me out of school. And it wasn't even a question for her. It wasn't even a question. That's so unbelievable. And then you also have talked about how she taught you to have an eating disorder. Right. Which, you know, of all the great things she taught you, that, st- you know, that's something that stays with you forever. Forever. Now. Forever. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, when you have an issue with food, you have to eat to but survive. But you did it. But you didn't have an issue until those motherfuckers, right? I, yeah. Said, it's so fucked up. I know, but you know what though, Judy, it's, it's like, I've had to really do a lot of analyzing for my book, right? specifically for my book, because right. my book's about motherhood and I was forced for the first time in my life, because I started having kids, I waited for my husband. Like I right. waited until I was with the person, like my like partner. you want to have kids with. Yes. Yeah. And it took me 36 oh. years. <laughs> <laughs> It took me 36 years to find him. Even though I've known him since I was 18, it took us, we took the the bumpy road to, we earned each other, man. Right. That's what we often tell each other. We're like, we earned each other because we both went through a lot to get to each other. Right. And I never thought about kids until I was 36. And it was the first time in my life that I really had to look back and analyze how I was raised, because naturally that's what you go to. Right. When you're when it's all you're you know. Yeah. It's all you know. So when I went back and started analyzing this stuff, I I definitely had times where I was like, that is fucked up. Uh, right. I also had things where I'm like, okay, great. That's amazing that she taught us that. I know I'm here because right. of like I just explained, I gotta tell you, like, she grew up with nothing. She got herself into Vassar. My grandmother was a nun in a convent and she went on. Yes. My grandmother was a nun in a convent and she, there's a certain thing you do where before you take your vows, you leave and go. um, There's a specific name for it. I can't remember the name, but she left to come visit her family before she took her vows. Right. And it was during that time where she met my mother's father. Wow. Then she ended up leaving her path because she fell in love and wanted to have a family with him. So then she ended up having my mother, but, and then he ended up leaving her. So here she is, uh, tell me about it. So here she is with nothing and three children. Yeah. And she became a, she was a real life Rosie the River. She worked for Grumman. She would drill rivets onto airplanes. Wow. And then she would do this to make money to support her three children, my mother being one of them. Right. And my mother grew up with nothing, nothing. So, you know, when she got herself into Vassar, which back then was, it's still a, a nice, a, a great school. school. It's a great yeah. school. But even back then it was even more prestigious. Yeah. So the fact that she got into Vassar, all the food was paid for. So she ate all this food because she, she thought she had Good. to. Right. 
because it was paid for it. She's like, well, I don't know when I'm ever going to have food like this again. Right. She ended up gaining a ton of weight and then she became a bulimic. So right. tried to lose weight. And then when she ended up losing weight, she met my father who was a medical student. So that was so like that okay. equation. Yeah, exactly. So that equation of being thin equals success was right. so deeply ingrained in her that for me, that's something that she instilled in me as her daughter, as a thing of like her trying to help me succeed. Like you need to be thin to succeed. You have got which is not true. I know that's what she would say because but that Joan was Rivers would say the same thing. Joan Rivers, same thing. You have to be thin and pretty, thin and pretty. And that's all she would say. Yeah. Do you think your mother saw herself in you more than the, uh, your other siblings that she was like, you know what? Because look, you could have gotten to Milan, been on drugs, been like, you know, fucking all these like model people, you right. know? Right. And you have your head on so fucking straight. Like, Thank you. she must have trusted that, you, you know, like it's so... It's so interesting that she sort of picked you to be the one to be like, you know what, you can do it. Like she must have known that you had this constitution that you were like, uh, it's so, it's a movie. You have to write a movie. It's fucking brilliant. I don't, look, I'm not going to say that she saw herself more in me. Okay. But but what I will say is she loved that I was on this kind of path. That's what I'll right. say. Yeah. I think um, my mother felt the same way. She, she loved yeah. it. Loved it more than I did at first. It was just, you know, cause I've never, I, the glamour, the quote unquote glamour is part of what we do. I, that was not why I do what right. I do. It, but my mother loved it. So she would she push me in yeah. certain ways to go like, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you in this movie? You should be doing, and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know, you, and it was always about wait, wait, wait. But here's the thing that's, that's not cool, unfortunately, is that a common solution was lose 10, like if I didn't get a role, it's, it's because of your weight. So lose 10 right. pounds. Blah, blah. But let me tell you, when I would lose weight and be very, very thin, I would work. And that's what is so depressing about the whole thing is because is because when it came to and also back then when I was first getting into this industry a lot of the women who were in my age group coming up as soon as they started booking big jobs immediately they shrunk down to like a size two because there is that pressure and it's this kind of uh it's like a tour, a, a tug of war because right. while I'm like, that is not true. And I would butt heads with her on this. When I would lose weight, I would book work. And that's what was complicated. And that's why doing something like orange is the new black is so amazing. Oh, I mean, change the game <laughs> in so many ways, celebrating women of different shapes and right. backgrounds, you know, color, creed, everything. I know that and it was so embraced and changed the game. And that is why I, even more than just the fact that I loved my character and I loved right. that show. Everyone. Did. I, everyone, I, right. it was amazing. But because that, that we re, that we shook that 
And we really demolished that right. thing of you need to look a certain way. It right. was phenomenal. And especially with my upbringing and what was instilled in me and right. not much more. And so that, so that's one of those things of like, you know, when you circle back to my mom teaching me that, you know, it was also her way of trying to help. Of course. But it was yeah. also a bonding thing for us. It was right. a share, because I didn't really have a relationship with her. It was our shared bonding. Right. It wasn't while yes, a lot of people tend to, I don't want to speak for other people for me. Yes. Of course it was about weight. Right. But it was also a way that my mother and I bonded. Right. And that was, I mean, already when you wanted to hang out with my mom, she was always cooking in the kitchen. You right. had to go into the kitchen to hang out with her, which I always loved because I loved cooking. Right. But we also had this shared experience around dysfunctional food habits. Right. And, um, and it was your little secret that you had. It was, our, it was yeah. our little secret. And it was really hard because I would go into these phases of, you know, like self-loathing and all right. this, all right. this right. stuff because you don't want to do it. It's bad for you. <clears throat> it's a compulsion. Wow. And it took me a long time to get a handle on it because you have to eat to survive. Of course. Yeah. You're constantly triggered. Yeah. It's not like you can just quit smoking or stop if you're, if you know, a alcohol and things like that yeah. which are their own struggle. Right. You know, this, but you can cut those out of your life. You have to eat. And to never right. You so that is exactly. Yeah. There's always a trigger. And it was, it was a problem for a long time. And I would go in phases where I wouldn't do it. And then something would happen and I would get triggered and then fall into it. Right. Just like these kind of dysfunctions do or whatever you want to call it. It, it took a while to get a handle on. And, sh- but I honestly don't think that she w- was hurting. She really didn't think that she was hurting me. Truthfully. She Jeez. thought she was helping. And that's what's so kind of weird. Right. <clears throat> Relationships with your parents are so complicated. So fucked up. So fucked up. So complicated. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the incredible Laura Prepon. Make sure to tune in next week for part two. If you like the show, which how can you not, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people find this incredible show. Five stars only, please. Thank you very much. Also, if you don't already, please follow me on social media. That way you can stay up to date with any added virtual dates with myself and maybe some other people in these upcoming weeks. As always during this quarantine, you can listen to the backlog of incredibly amazing interviews that we have done on Kill Me Now. There are some unbelievable people with incredible stories. I feel like Trump. I keep saying incredible and amazing. You can also listen to my comedy albums. Download them wherever you get your music. Conduct Unbecoming, my most recent, Kill Me Now, and my first album, Judas Roommate Had a Baby. You can get links to all of these and so much more at judygold.com. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D.com. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all updates at Judy Gold. You know, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. You know, like Jew Gold. And please, I'm thinking of you. Feel good. Be safe and well. And hopefully one day we're all going to be in a group hug. And as we always say, so long. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, or, just kill me. Oh, don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just kill me. Now. No, Judy Gold's Just Kill Me. Just kill me now. Just kill me now. <laughs>